Thank you, Rabbi Mintz. If I speak from here, can you hear me all right? Yeah? Not so much. Is that better? Oh, good, good, good. I am so incredibly thrilled and honored to be here to help you install my best friend, uh, Marsha Atti, as your chazan. You do know you are the luckiest congregation in America, right? You don't, you don't need me to come here and tell you that. I, I want to begin by confessing that I feel uh, rather unqualified and more than a little anxious um, about being the installing rabbi tonight. First of all, I've never been to an installation of a cantor before. Plus, I'm not really the officiating kind of rabbi, as Rabbi Min said. Um, I sheepishly turn down all invitations to do baby namings and weddings. I, I say I'm just not that kind of rabbi. Um, I try to stay out of the retail end of the business as much as possible. <laughs> when my daughter Molly was five or six, um, she would set up a little desk and chair next to my desk in my study, and she would watch me work, and she would set a, a Talmud on her little table and paper and pens and her little toy telephone. And one day, I heard her pick up the telephone and say, oh, you're getting married? I'm sorry, I'm not that kind of rabbi. <laughs> so with the caveat that I'm really, really not this kind of rabbi, um, I'm going to do my best in the role of installer today. Um, I think ironically, when we say the phrase installing a cantor, it seems like the cryptic word is installing. Right? It sounds like something you do to an appliance or like something I need to put on my leather tool belt for. I do have a leather tool belt, <laughs> by the way. Um, you know where I got my leather tool belt? From Marsha. It, it was my ordination present from Marsha. That is true. <laughs> um, but actually, I think the cryptic word in that phrase, installation of a cantor, is actually the word cantor. Um, we all think we know what a chazan is, but I'm not so sure if we do. So what I'd like to talk with you about tonight is the question, what, what really is a chazan? Where does the chazan fit in our Jewish story? And what is it that happens when a chazan does what she does? Ultimately, what I want to do is get at the question, what's really going on when Marcia does her thing? Inside of us, between us, we've all felt that magic, right? Yeah. We've all been transformed by it. But what is that experience? What in the eyes of the Jewish tradition is going on in those moments? So sit back and relax. I'm going to tell you a story. 2,000 and some years ago, 
about a century before the Second Temple was destroyed, when Temple Judaism was increasingly failing to speak to the spiritual needs of the Jewish people. Small groups of bold, radical, fringy, hippie Jews rebelled against a Judaism that was no longer working for them. And instead of going to the temple down the block, gathered in little retreat centers, little ashrams. They called them synagogues. And in these synagogues, they developed crazy new technologies, technologies for connecting with God. They called them tefillah, prayer. And they made up these, uh, these crazy magical formulas for invoking God's presence, and they called those blessings. Lots of other stuff. Now, among the sages of the time, there were these rare individuals who were known to be very attuned to where the everyday person was at. They were scholars who were unique in their ability to see. Not see as in eyesight, see as in I see who you are. And the Aramaic word for see is chaze. These were individuals who could chaze, who could see into the hearts of the people, to see what they were going through, could see what they needed, could understand their experience. They could help them in their yearning to love themselves and one another, to live meaningful lives, and to connect with God. Puk chaze, go out and see. The Talmud tells us that they urge the rabbis, Puk chaze, we should go out and see what they're up to. Puk chaze, let's go see what they're doing to reach God. God who is now, certainly once the temple was destroyed, so distant from us. If the children of Israel are not prophets, they said their children of prophets. Surely we can trust them. And those leaders who did, who went out to Chazeh to see what was really in the hearts of their fellow Jews, were called Chazaim, the seers. And later, you see where I'm going with this? Uh -huh. They became the masters of seeing, the Chazanim. the ones who are masters at seeing into the hearts of the people. By the time the Second Temple was destroyed in 70 CE, there were already, by one count, 480 synagogues in Eretz Yisrael, all led by these chazanim, these seers into your heart. The chazan became the heart of Jewish communal life for 2,000 years, to this very day. The Chazan became spiritual director, counselor, confidant, prayer composer, preacher, teacher, judge, schoolmaster, prayer leader, Torah reader, shofar blower, biblical scholar, and superintendent of the synagogue. It's only been about 100 years 
by the way, that the rabbi has even made a regular appearance in the day-to-day -day life of the congregation. We've been mighty pushy since then, but uh, it's only been about 100 years. And it remains the chazan who, for most of us, is at the center of our spiritual experience. And this is all the more so true for those of us blessed to call Marsha Ati our chazan. In time, the chazanim were appointed and had to fulfill a number of requirements, far more requirements, I might add, than rabbis ever had to meet to this day. The chazan needed to be, and still needs to be, distinguished in Torah learning, in a committed relationship, what they used to call married, at least 30 years old. Why 30 years old? According to the codes, she'az libo nishbar. Since by then, his or her heart would already have been broken. The chazan has to know life's disappointments, life's struggles firsthand, to know what it's like to have a broken heart. The chazan must be distinguished in character and deeds. How they walk through the world matters. They must be profoundly empathic. Me'urav bedat im habriot. Their hearts and minds have to be intertwined with the hearts and minds of the people. And finally, and most important of all, they must be ne'emanim umarutsim le'am, beloved, trusted, and accepted by the people. In short, a person who is not only learned, but whose primary qualities are the wisdom that comes with life experience, empathy, insight, understanding, and open heart, and being beloved and trusted by the community. Marsha. Marsha, you are all these things and more. And your community gathers today to declare you officially Ne'emenet umerutza le'am, beloved, trusted, and accepted by your community. And now I want to try to answer that final question. What is that profound, transformative experience that each and every one of us has had numerous times in this very room when Marcia sings? It turns out that there are actually Jewish words for it. It's said that every rabbi has just one sermon, and they give that one sermon over and over and over again in different ways every time they speak. This is certainly true for me. 
and this is another one of them right now. <laughs> My one sermon revolves around one single word, svara. It's the 2,000-year-old Aramaic word that means reason, but the rabbis of the Talmud expanded it to something closer to moral intuition. In short, it's what your kishkis tell you is right or true. When you have insight into yourself, into your fellow human beings, and empathic sensitivity to the struggles of those around you. Svara is your deepest sense of what is true and right, the place where you are most compassionate with others and yourself. It's our tradition's vote of confidence in each and every one of us that what our learning, our life experience, and our hearts tell us can be trusted. The rabbis felt so strongly about svara that they elevated it to the level of Torah, and they said the two are equivalent. They both have the same authority. Svara is the engine that drives our tradition toward justice and compassion. It is at the core of what it means to be a mensch. My favorite Jewish story is really a story of Svara. It's a chicken story. Two rabbis are walking down the road. It's Erev Shabbos. Late Friday afternoon, it's almost sundown, when a poor elderly woman approaches them with a chicken. And she says, Rabbis, is my chicken kosher? I'm really not sure. I just bought it, but I'm not so sure. Would you check it for me? And the one rabbi takes the chicken, and he turns it, and he looks at it, and he examines it very, very carefully. And he hands it back to the woman, and he says, absolutely kosher. Good Shabbos. And as the woman leaves, the second rabbi says to the first, what have you done? You know as well as I do that that chicken was absolutely treif. How could you be so mekil on kashrut? How could you be so lenient about kashrut? And the first rabbi replies, I'm not lenient about kashrut. I'm machmir on Havas Yisrael. I'm stringent on love for my fellow human being. Knowing the woman would have no chicken for her Shabbos dinner if he had declared it treif, the first rabbi in our story allows his svara to trump his Torah. And the objectively treif chicken becomes existentially kosher <laughs> because of svara. So if svara is so important, then shouldn't we be asking, how can we grow our svara? How can we develop our svara? How can we refine it? How can we access it and hear it speaking to us? Ever since I learned the concept of svara in the Talmud, I've been asking myself these questions. And until a month ago, when I started 
doing research for this very talk. I had never found a source that answered those questions. There are thousands and thousands of sources of rabbis using their svara to make the tradition more compassionate and more just. But I had never found anything that told me how one can develop one's svara. And then I found this new text. When I saw it, I literally fell off my chair. I'm telling you, I could not believe what I was looking at. It was a medieval text on chazanut, on the art of the cantor. And it said, get this, the vocal offerings of the chazan are called, are you ready? Svaras. Of course. When Marcia leads you in prayer, those songs she offers, says the tradition, are svaras. Just think about what happens to you when she sings, when Marcia chazans. We feel seen, we feel loved. We feel connected to God and to our own truths, right? We take in her svara and with it find our svara. My charge to you, very lucky people of Temple Emmanuel, is to continue to let Marsha's svaras touch yours and to use your svara to make the world a more just, loving, and compassionate place. And now, Marcia, I charge to you. Your greatness, Marcia comes from your honesty, your authenticity, your vulnerability, your willingness to be transparent, to see, and to be seen. You model for us what it means to be fully present, open, and alive to walk through the world with a heart full of love. So remember, it's ultimately not about what you know or what you believe. It's about who you are and who you will always be. Your doubts and uncertainties, these are not signs of weakness as a chazan, but the very things that make you worthy to be one. Do not try to chase those voices away. 
It is your doubts and uncertainties that allow us to accept our own. You make us feel more loved, more whole, than many of us, myself included, have ever felt. Just as I have only one sermon, which I deliver over and over and over in a hundred different ways, you too have only one song that you sing over and over in a hundred different songs. I know you know that you said it just the other day. I was thinking it and you said it at that very moment. Never stop singing that one song. It's the right song. It's the song we are all longing to hear. I know that I speak for thousands and thousands of people, including everyone present here today, when I say you have opened our hearts with your music and with your love. You have allowed us to love ourselves just a little bit more. You have shown us the joy of the Jewish community. You have given us a way in to prayer and a way in to God and a way back to our best selves. Your svaras have opened up our svaras. Because of you, we are better Jews. Because of you, we are better people. We love you so much. Mazal tov. Shabbat shalom.